I'm pretty excited for today. Um, but I wanted to start off with a question. Basically, rhetorically, do you believe in God? Like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is an important part of that Trinity. Like, do you believe in that spiritual realm? Do you believe that there is a spiritual realm out there? Because it is in our scripture, it's in our word. We have to have some sort of a grasp, some sort of an understanding of what that is. Um, is the music still on? My hearing things? <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> no, I'm here, so anyway. Never mind. Um, so yeah, so today I wanted to get in. Today we are carrying on with the Ephesians service, uh, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. Um, and yeah, I wanted to get into the part of Ephesians known as the armor of God. So this is basically like spiritual warfare. And so it's, we've got to take like a view of there is a spiritual realm out there if we're going to engage in the right enemy kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I don't want to... I don't want you to worry that it's going to be like this weird, like, you know, getting into the weird, odd, spiritual, spooky stuff. But, uh, yeah, it is definitely something important for us to go into. Um, so, yes, let's dive straight into the scripture. Um, Ephesians 6, 6, verse 10 to 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand, take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our st struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, oh, is it me that's out of hand? Sorry. <laughs> um, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So looking back through Ephesians, Paul has described to us who we are in Christ from the beginning. Who, uh, Ephesians 1 is speaking about who we are in Christ and who we are in the kingdom of God. That we are chosen, that we are Christ's chosen people, and we have a... Christ has given us um, like a great commission, basically, to do these great works for him. Um, he has uh, sent us, empowered us. He has freed us from sin, from the, the, the curse of sin and death. And he has also, yeah, like, ultimately he has drawn us into a relationship with, with him, with Jesus. So that we can go in Ephesians 2 verse 8, it says, we can go to God with freedom and confidence because it's not by works but it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. So we look at that faith as our foundation, and then we know that we can come into God through that. 
Paul then describes what he means um, to us. Ugh, what it, Paul then describes what this means to us in Christ as being part of God's body. And as Michelle mentioned earlier, it's like he, he, he describes how it looks to us in the body of Christ as unity, as bearing with each other in love. He calls us to a high moral standing and, and he rejects and calls us to like reject that worldly way of thinking. He calls us to a mutual submission um, with each other, especially within that marital relationship. Then we come to today's scripture. After all of this, after Paul has described to us who we are in Christ and how we can live that out in God, he tells us we are going to engage in this spiritual battle. And so he gives us the tools to then take on like these battles in our lives, to be able to stand firm against Satan and his um, attacks on us and to overcome them ultimately. He gives us the instruction to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's a proactive view. It's like, take hold of these truths, stand firm in them. And yes, we want to be strong in the Lord. I know everybody, all of us, we go, yes, that sounds great. Like we want to be strong in the Lord and stand firm. But how do we do that? So Paul then lays it out. He gives us the tools that we need to do this. He says, we need to put on the full armor of God. And why does he say that? So that you can stand against these schemes of the devil. The implication is that if you don't have the full armor of God, you're going to leave yourself vulnerable in some area. And you aren't going to be able to stand up against all these attacks. So it's important that we put ourselves on, put on the full armor of God. He actually repeats it twice in this verse. I don't know if you noticed. To, to put on the full armor of God. Okay. Um, then he goes on, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So we are like that in essence is like the crux of this whole verse. It's like saying so often we view our enemy as, you know, our neighbor, you know, it's our boss or our colleague or our maybe salitful neighbor. <laughs> but it might even be like your spouse or your kids or, you know, people that are like close to you that you know, through whatever the issue is, relational issues, and, you know, the outworking of maybe it's Satan working through them or attacking you in your thinking, it's like through that outworking, they become our enemy. And yet Jesus tells us um, in Matthew 5 to love our enemies. And so it's like, it's about not... Um, hating our enemy, it's, we can hate the sin in them. It's like love the sinner, uh, yeah, love the sinner, but hate the sin, or hate the outworking of the sin in them. Um, so we have to change the view that we see everybody, and that we can see the val God's value in each and every person, who almost like the vision of who God has created this person to be, and separated from the brokenness that they have now taken on um, through a fallen world. Um, yeah. So he says, our battle then is against, um, against the rulers, authorities, and powers of the kingdom of darkness, the spiritual forces of evil. And I realize when I say that, a lot of that is unknown. And for us, so often we like, that stirs a bit of fear in us, and we go like, cheapest, I don't understand that. I don't know what that's all about. 
like how do I stand up against something I'm like clueless against? Um, but Paul here explains what it looks like. And he calls us to be prepared against the, these spiritual aspects to have that defense up. But we can see that, like, as I read through that and as I go through it again, you'll see that putting on the full armor of God in this context, it's not about, like, this abstract, you know, spiritual realm. It's about, like, these practicalities of life. So what I want to, like, almost achieve through this is help us to understand that it's like our normal day-to-day lives. We are, we are going through these battles all the time in our walk in our daily lives and it's like it doesn't have to be this big scary thing but it is something to be aware of so that we can stand up against those attacks when we see it because sometimes you know we do we do um like maybe without realizing it stand up against those attacks and we like you know we have a temptation that we resist that's basically like what paul is talking about here but sometimes you know we are getting attacked and we're not realizing who the enemy is here, actually. And so we're falling for those issues. And so I want us today to just become more aware of some of the ways that Satan attacks us and some of the lies that he tells us so that we can stand up and notice these things and realize them and walk in the freedom that God has for us, to walk in the truth of his, his word for us. Um. But what we have to realize is we can't do this in our own strength. We need, we need God. We need His Word, His truth. Like we can't just like bite our, bite our teeth and like just work hard and do it out of our own strength. It's like Satan has been tempting people for millennia. And so, you know, he's got his tricks and his ways. And so it's important, like if you don't have the Scriptures, if you don't have people helping you and pointing things out to you, supporting you, discipling you, it's like sometimes we are blind to those um, things that we are not noticing that we're falling for constantly. Like we often see that as like our normal day-to-day life or our normal struggles. And that's why it's so important to be like in community, in places like this, that we don't just get stuck in those, um, those sins and things. Um, <clears throat> then he says, and after, you all, and after you have done all of this, after you have... Put on the armor of God. He says, and after you have done this, stand firm. Um, I just want to read that quickly. Um, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Then it goes on to say, stand firm, then with a belt of truth, etc. But what I wanted to say is like, you know, he's calling us to just stand firm there. In this space, in this, at this time in your, in your season, if you want to call it, this time in your life, it's like he's calling us not to, it's, it's not an aspect of taking ground. It's about standing firm and not losing the ground that you've already taken. So it's like hold on, holding on to those truths that we have and that ground that we already fought for. And then, you know, resisting those lies and those attacks that Satan gives us and not like going backwards in essence. Um, <clears throat> so let's get into the, it's the, the six pieces of armor that God has given us. 
The first is the belt of truth. Appropriately, if, you're, if you can imagine it, your belt is then holding up your sword as well. Like your sword hangs on your belt. And so if we lose that belt of truth, if we lose that truth aspect, like, and we start um, letting go of what truth really is, then we lose the power of the scripture as well. We lose the power of the word. And so we have to hold on to truth as well as the scripture. Because if we um, question the truth of the scriptures, and I, I know there's like an aspect of discerning and figuring out and understanding the word and, and all of that. But it's like when we have the clear truths in the Bible, it's like stand firm on that. Um, I know a lot of people like they're like, oh, the Bible's confusing and there's like back and forth verses that seem to like contradict each other. It's like, cool, figure those things out, flesh them out, work them out in your life. But the one, the things that are clear to you, stand firm on those. Like hold on to those truths at least. And then like the rest will become clearer. Um, <clears throat> It's like um, Jesus, or, yeah, Jesus speaks about it in Matthew 7, about the guy who um, builds his house on, this, on the sand and the guy who builds himself, his house on the rocks. And he says, to both of them, there's a storm coming. To both of them, the storm hits the house. The difference is, after the storm is gone, is your house still standing? Was it on those, those truths, on that rock? Or was it on the sand? And it's like, you're living with these subjective truths and this is my truth view and stuff like that. And then when the storm comes, then you realize, hey, my house is washed away. Now my life is in turmoil. But it's like, go back to those truths. Go back to the, the truth of the scripture. Jesus speaks about Jesus. Well, the word speaks about Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. He is the truth. So we look to him for that truth. We look to the scriptures um, for that truth. Satan, however, he attacks us in this area with lies. Satan is the father of all lies. We get that um, in John 8 verse 44, where it describes how Satan, you know, that's his, um, his native language. So it's like those truths or twists of the truth is what, is what Satan is giving us. And the battle, as you can see through these, these points, the battle is in your mind, the battle is in your thinking. So it's like, we've got to realize that not all of our thoughts are our own thoughts. And so we've got to take our thoughts captive to the truth of the scripture, to the truth of God, and go like, hey, how does that actually align with God? What is this? Um, you know, if, if, if I'm thinking now, hey, you know, money is going to bring me happiness or something like that, then it's like, hey, wait, does that actually align with the truth? Because that'll work it like what what we really believe in our hearts, like we can believe stuff in our heads and say, yeah, that's that's truth and you know verbalize it. But what do we really believe in our heart? Because that's gonna really change the decisions that we make in our lives. Yeah. Um, and the problem is Satan, the father of lives, often he um, he doesn't give us these like majorly like um, obvious lies. It's like this like just a little bit off of the truth just a little bit of a twisting of the truth um, and then that in essence is what trips us up I want to go to uh, Genesis 3 where you can see this after the creation of the world Adam and Eve um, it says now the serpent was more crafty than all of the wild animals 
that he, uh, now the serpent was craftier than all the wild animals that God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must eat from the tree of the God? You, you may not eat from any tree in the garden. Sorry. So Jesus, God says, uh, let me just read it through. Sorry. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the, from the tree in the God, from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from this, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So here we see Satan in, Satan's first trick is to like sow doubting in your head. Did God really say that? He's actually making you doubt yourself. Like, oh, is that really what God said? Like, do I go that way? Um, then he says you will not certainly die so he questions um, the consequences of, of that then so it's not only like questioning did you hear it correctly it's like no it'll, I'm sure it'll be fine um, you won't be caught like it'll be fine you'll get away with it or you know, that's really not going to harm anybody else so you know, it's only affecting you and it's like, no, it's not only affecting you. It's not only affecting um, you in your personal space because you interact with other people and it's going to have an outworking in your life. Then he says, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God um, when he's speaking about taking the apple. So it's like, he, first he's then question, questioning God's motives. Like, why is God telling you not to do that? It's like, He's telling you not to do that because he loves you, because he wants to protect you. It's not because he's trying to, because he wants you to like miss out on something that's good. Like we must remember the essence, the, the foundation of what, how God speaks to us is out of a place of love. God is love. So when he speaks to us, it's not because he's trying to be otherwise or difficult or mean or stop you from living in your fullness. It's because he protects you, because he loves you. And we have to trust that the essence of faith then is living in that trust that, okay, even though I don't understand, I'm going to follow God's way anyway. Um, because it's like things like this where Satan erodes like um, these truths and stuff. You start to question God and question yourself and then it er erodes like your faith and your ability to then go and step into what God has called you to. Because now you have these doubts and these worries and, and everything about yourself and about others. Um, then we move on to the breastplate of righteousness. This part of the body protects, uh, this part of the, the armor protects your heart. And, and Proverbs says, uh, Proverbs 4 verse 23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So it's like the essence of, of who you are and how you're going to live out your life is coming from your heart. So guard your heart. So the breastplate of righteousness then is to protect that. Satan is the one who's attacking us in our identity, in our emotions, in our self-worth, in, in our standing with God. So it's like we've got to wear that breastplate of righteousness that we can stand firm in who God has called us to be and what he's wanting us to do that we have our identity secure in Him 
that we don't waver like am I saved is God really like able to save me and 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 um, even with my background even with all my history all the bad that I've done is God able to save us no he has the blood of Jesus Christ is enough for that um However, yeah, we can't be obviously righteous in our own eyes. Our righteousness comes from God. Hebrews uh, 10 describes this so beautifully. And I just want to read from verse uh, 14, and then I'm going to read on. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So it's only by Jesus' sacrifice. And it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilt, from the guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises is faithful. So it's like we can stand on the truth that Jesus is enough, and hold unwaveringly to that, that truth that God is faithful in this. Then we move on to the the shoes of the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Firstly, we must know our righteousness um, in God so that we can stand firm in that and be able to spread the truth of this gospel. If we don't believe it for ourselves, we are going to struggle to then like profess to others the, the, the goodness of this gospel of, of peace. To know that we have peace with God, that we have peace in God and in ourselves. We, don't, we have a clear conscience with God because He has covered us. So we need to know that to be able to you know, spread the gospel and then have that readiness. Satan attacks, Satan attacks us by giving us like anxiety, stress, and even just like a busyness of life. And we see that so much in society today. The levels, it's, it seems like the levels of stress and anxiety are just going through the roof. Um, there's so much pressure put on us and we have to really like stand firm to to what God is calling us to and not take on all these hundred million things that that the world is calling us to because I don't know it's like for me I find that everything is vying for your attention these days and it's like are you willing to like close off all of those things and just say God is calling me to this God is calling me to quiet time God is calling me to ministry in my family like uh, lead my family and lead, like, do my career well because that is part of our, our call, um, whatever that is. It doesn't have to be, you know, in the ministry, like, you know, in, in, in whatever industry you're in, you're in God's ministry. You be God there where you are. Um, we see that. Um, peace is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And in 1 Peter 3.15, um, it says, be ready to um, with the reason that you have for the hope that you have in Christ. So it's like, let me just read that because I think I just watched it. Mm, 1 Peter. I seem to be missing it. But yeah, basically it's just, Telling us that, like, when you're, like, have the readiness to know the, why you have the hope that you have in Christ, so that you can share it at any time, that you can know to take that, that moment 
and just spread that gospel of peace as you know it in your life. Jesus was this to me. Jesus saved me like this. This is the reason that I believe Jesus is who he is. Um, and hold on to that truth. Let it be at the surface of your heart so that when you encounter people that are struggling, especially when they're struggling with like, things that you see that you've struggled with, because so often we notice in others the, the areas where we struggle with. And it's like when you notice those things, share the truth of how God has, has healed you or changed you in that area. Um, and then Matthew 6 verse 30 um, so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and these things will be given to you therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. God has got you. God knows your needs. He knows what you have. It's like living that peace. If you are stressed, pray about it. And then hand it over to God. Like, we don't pray to God, God, take this thing, we give it to God, we turn around, we take it and we carry on with life. No. Leave it at God's. Leave it at the cross. God will deal with it. He's got it. He's very capable and able to sort out all of our issues. Um... The shield of faith. We hold firm to the shield of faith. What is the opposite of faith? It's not fear. It's doubt. It's unbelief. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. God calls us to these things, and it's like, it's not about like being scared or whatever. It's about do you believe that God will come through for that, come through in that? We see that in that Genesis story with Adam and Eve. It's like Satan's tem testing them like, oh, just have the fruit. You'll have knowledge. And it's like in that moment, we have in faith that God knows the best for us. We're going to stand firm on those truths that Jesus has taught us. Um, many times in the scripture, Jesus speaks about... Um, especially when there's healings, he says they were healed because of their faith. So we must know that our faith matters. Our faith makes a difference. It changes our life. It changes our tra trajectory for the good. It changes where we were going to end up because we believe now in God in that area. And we will have like the truth and the freedom in that. Hebrews 1, 11 says faith is being sure of what we hope for sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see it's that surety like we have this hope in all these things and it's like stand should have that surety in what we hope for because um, it's the things that we don't see it's the things that we are trusting for in the future um, and sometimes those things are like small things and sometimes they are big things sometimes they are you know a child or a, a healing or a you know my the person that i love dearly is sick and i really really need god to come through on this and it's like so let's stand firm on those big things as well as the small things that are like almost easy to have faith for satan attacks us with doubts but we can stand firm with the truth of the gospel even 
after like I see it so often um, this is so often affected when you know we've had faith for something and we've trusted in God for something and then it's like it hasn't happened and then that broken faith often puts up a wall and like oh, I can't trust God in this area anymore and it's like I would challenge you to reassess those initial beliefs those initial truths and take it to God don't just build that wall up against God take it to God and say God I don't understand this this didn't work out like I, I, I thought that I believed um, and you know it's difficult because sometimes in the scriptures it's like we are, God calls us to a relationship with him so that we can understand the moment and what what's happening in the moment because sometimes God calls us to flip the tables and other times God calls us to turn the other cheek and it's like, when do we know which one to do? When do we know what God is calling us to do? We're only going to get that through the relationship with God, to, through spending time with God, through spending time in prayer. And then when we have gone through those times that we have been hurt, to take those, that hurt to God and continue to trust God, mm-hmm. as difficult as it is, to stand firm and go, even though I don't understand this God, you are still God. You are yeah. still the one who I'm trusting for, for the rest of my life. And then it says, um, that shield of faith is there to quench all the fiery arrows of the enemy, to quench all of those lusts and temptations and evil thoughts, all those things that Satan throws at us. There's always a, like Satan is always um, tempting us with a counterfeit of the truth. Like, so often it's like it is something that God wants to give us or the truth of it, but he wants to give us like a shortcut or a self-satisfying thing now instead of like doing it in God's time, trusting God that he's going to give it to us at the right time. The helmet of salvation is so important as well because it's like if we are going to be shaken in our, in our salvation, that basically just like defeats us and disarms us for everything else. If we don't believe that we are saved, then it's like how can we believe that we can hold all this other weaponry? How can we believe that all of these other truths that God is giving us is actually for us and that we are able to stand firm on these truths if we don't even believe that we are saved? Um, Satan will often like... Um, make us doubt our salvation you know did God really save you did that prayer that you prayed really like take that it really like stick and it's like no if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth then you're saved and you can stand firm on that and you can walk in that and and sometimes it doesn't feel like that because we live in a fallen world and we go surely like if I'm saved then this won't be happening to me but it's like we live in a fallen world. There's brokenness out there that, that mustn't shake our, our belief in our salvation. Jesus' blood is enough and it covers all of our sins and we can stand firm in that. Um, you know, it's, it, so often it's like those truths of like, you know, I've done this wrong thing and then it's like, is God now angry with me? Is God gonna like punish me and it's like but Jesus took the wrath of God on the cross in its full form like all of the wrath of God for the whole world it went on Jesus on the cross do we believe that because then that shapes what happens when we sin 
and it's like now if I sin is there a little bit of wrath left over for God to like hit me with is there a lightning bolt coming you know or do we realize like we are under grace we live by faith that we are under grace not under the law anymore so it's like we stand free of the law because the law is punishment but under grace we live under the freedom that we know that Jesus has paid for my sins my sins now and my sins in the future and that that Paul speaks in Romans about let that not lead us to more sin like why would you go oh well if I'm free from sin then I can just go do all these bad things because there's still consequences like earthly consequences for those um, sins and consequences for ourselves but the wrath of God is covered like um, Satan condemns us but God convicts us so God says you're better than that you don't need to do that um, that's going to lead to pain in yourself and in those that you love whereas, whereas Satan will condemn you and he says you know you're bad you're whatever like you're the issue um, and he'll say like you're not worthy or um, you are a described by the sin that you just committed you're a liar, you're a thief, you're a whatever. And it's like, he tries to get you to believe that that's your core, that's who you are as a character, and not like, no, that was a sin that I fell for, and I'm choosing to like repent and walk away from that and live in the freedom going forward. Perfect love drives out all fear. And if we live in, in a space of fear with God, then our relationship with God, our love with God, is not actually... Um, true love because then it's actually self-preservation if we live in a space of I'm fearing God so I'm not going to do it I'm not going to sin because I know that lightning bolt is coming then I'm not actually doing it because I love God I'm doing it because I want to protect myself from the lightning bolt in essence Um, and then the last weapon the sword of the spirit which is the word of God it's the only weapon of offense that we have, of you know, offense that we have. Defense, offense. Yeah, that's right. The only weapon of offense that we have to attack the to attack our enemy. Um, in James four, verse seven, it says, "Resist the devil, and he will flee from you." But in Matthew four, verse four, you see Jesus in the desert, fighting with the scriptures, um, fighting Satan. I just found it. Um, the tempter came to him and said, This is this, um, Jesus goes to the desert after he was baptized. And then Satan comes to tempt him in the desert and says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He's questioning then, like, again, his identity. Are you the son of God? If you're the son of God, then do this thing. In the meantime, it's like, I don't have to prove myself being the son of God by falling for a temptation. Um, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, all-powerful Jesus, is like, He's using the scriptures to fight His battle. He's using this offense. Um, so, in James, like I said, in James 4, it says, Resist the devil. So it's like, I would say the better you know your scriptures, like you can see by Jesus 
he just gives that one scripture and sort of Satan moves on. Whereas like resisting the devil, it's like you might have that pressure, pressure, pressure the whole time to like fall for this temptation or the sin. And it's like resist the devil. He will eventually flee from you. But if you know the scriptures, you can just say a one-liner and then Satan's got kind of thing. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's a bit uh, too simplified. But either way, it's like we're standing firm on those truths um, and holding on to those scriptures. Um, so listen to the Holy Spirit because um, he's going to be the one that's going to remind you of those truths. Um, it says, John fourteen twenty six. Uh, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit in us is going to teach us the truths of the Gospel and remind you of what Jesus has told you. Um, so we, we need that relationship with the Holy Spirit, that sword of the Spirit, to know those truths, to remember those truths in the moment when we need it. Because Satan is not going to be like, hey, listen, yeah, I'm coming to you. You know, tempt you at two o'clock tomorrow. No, it's like it kind of blindsides us, and now you're in this moment and in this situation and whatever. And it's like the Holy Spirit's going to be speaking to us then. And it's like, are we sensitive? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Do we have, yeah. And then, yeah. After all of that, in after the, um, Paul describes all of these six aspects of the armor of God. He, he closes it with this line, or he, he, he completes that, says, and saying, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So he's saying, stand firm with all of those, all of that armor of God, and then when you stand firm, Pray in the Spirit. Be praying with the Spirit. It's a relational thing. Jesus, like the main thing that Jesus came to do on the cross was to restore our relationship with God. So like he's saying, we used to be in the garden before the fall, commune with God. Then that was like a breakdown relationship. Jesus comes. He restores that. We can commune with God again through the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants. So he says, Pray in the Spirit. Pray with the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. It's a relational thing. It's not a one-way street. Get to know the Holy Spirit. Get to understand like the nuances, how He speaks to you. Because God made us. God knows how to communicate with each one of us. And so it might take a, a time to figure that out. I know there was a time early in my walk where I was just like, God, I don't know if I'm hearing you or not. And then I was like, it might seem very like... Um, weird, but I was like, you know what? If you're speaking to me, then I want to see something green. If you're not, or if you say no, then I want to see something red. And it's like, that sounds very simplified and like, oh no, you're going to mess up a couple of times doing that. But I just gave God almost like a platform to speak to me. And then it was almost like I started noticing it. And, and the Holy Spirit started speaking to me and it's almost like if I put my hand up yeah you, you notice it even though you like concentrate on me it's like that's how God would speak to me it's like he would like just make me notice that red thing there or that green thing there and it was like it was the weirdest thing and I didn't mess up and I was like you know your own desires are like oh, I don't think that was really it whatever um, and so I tripped up and stuff like that through my walk with God 
but it's like you're only fooling yourself if you keep on that path and keep justifying it. Like, I wanted to get to know God. I wanted God to speak to me. I wanted to hear Him, even when I didn't like the answer. I wanted to get to know Him. And so that built so much trust in me. And I still, like, God still uses that um, in me now, like years and years and years later. It's like, He'll still speak to me in ways like that. And yes, my walk with God has grown and I hear God in other ways. And and he speaks to me in different ways. But it's like, I just gave God a way to speak to me. So it's like, for you, find a way to hear God. God wants to speak to you. Like, that's his main thing he did with Jesus. So it's like, figure out how, to, how God is going to speak to you. If it's just through the scriptures, just reading the scriptures, that's God as well. Like, get to know God and his character through that. Um, and then it says there, and be alert always, praying for all, the, um, all of the Lord's people. So it's like, be praying in the Spirit for yourself, but then also be aware of the people in your community and be praying for them. We can see the hurt in others. Like, pray for them as well. The, the armor of God is available to each and every one of us. We basically just need to put it on. God makes it available to us Take on those truths. Take on those, those beliefs. It's not weird or spooky or like this weird spiritual thing that we don't understand. It's like this is a battle in our minds. You can see how it plays out. How, how, these, how you know, these decisions, in, most of the decisions in our lives, the pitfalls that we fall into, the hurts that we go through, um, you know, it's other people falling for these temptations in their mind or their thinking or us. Um, The problem is, like, if we don't believe in this stuff, if we don't believe that we're under attack like this, then we, we often engage in the wrong enemy. And, like, how can we win the battle if we're engaging in the wrong enemy? If we're just fighting with the person who's in front of us and not understanding that there's a brokenness there or there's a hurt there or there's a misunderstanding there, like, let's take a step back, figure it out, work through it. Um, use these tools, use these scriptures, listen to the Holy Spirit in those moments. And God will lead us into these truths and freedoms and life. So yeah. Lord God Almighty, I just pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us these tools, this, this armor that you can use to speak to us and protect us and that we can stand firm in all the truths that you have told us and shown us and like that we can stand firm in our identity and all that you have called us to and that you're calling us into. Lord, thank you that um, you protect us and that we can grow in our walk with you and be more and more discerning um, and you know, just not fall for these temptations and lies and that we can just stand on your truth which brings so much um, so much freedom and so much life into our lives mm -hmm. in Jesus name Amen, Amen.